Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee podcast. I am your host, Hugh Lloyd. And remember, the Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Now, on this episode, we're going to sit down and have a little chat with actress, writer and producer and life coach, Michaela Longden. But also, we have the return of what the Wookiee watched. So, let's dive into our chat. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by my very, very special guest, actress, writer, producer, and just all-round fabulous person. (laughs) So, put your hands together, jangle your jewellery, stamp your feet, and welcome to Michaela Longdon. Hello, Michaela, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good, how are you? I'm all right. I love the fact that we pretend that we haven't spent any I time. <laughs> we do this in every episode. It's really funny. You know, spend 20 minutes like yapping away beforehand and everyone's like, how are you doing? Yes. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. So first of all, thank you so much for agreeing to be on. Oh, no problem at all. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. No, no worries. Now, obviously, in terms of somebody, you know, currently working within the industry, sort of... Um, when you say, I say research, it does come across as stalking, but, um, <laughs> you know, your credits are, are pretty damn impressive. Oh, when you look you. at like, the, you look at, you, you look at your range of work and, you know, you look at, you know, um, you look at some of the stuff, particularly when you look, come across your social media and those kind of things. It's really, really, it's, it's really interesting stuff and it's good to see. So I'm really looking forward to sort of having this conversation. The first time um, that I sort of came across you was Book of Monsters. Amazing, yes. Um, which is a great film, absolutely fantastic film. I, I just, just a really, really fun, entertaining. Um, you know, uh, there's, it sort of almost had the touches of the, that that sort of great eighties kind of throwback to it. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so that was the first time I sort of came across, you know, came across yourself. So um, one of the things, we obviously we talk you know that we talk about is obviously where does it all start at, at what moment did you realize that you wanted to sort of you wanted to be an actress I think it starts at different stages for different people um but I think everybody can say that you know from a very young age <laughs> it's like something inside of you uh, that you try you might try and deny and I did try and deny for quite a long time to be honest um, mm. So when I was really young, I actually wanted to be a singer uh, and I loved dancing and we weren't very well off. So we didn't really go to the theatre or anything like that. So I didn't know much, too much about acting. Obviously, I'd, I'd watched films and I loved films, loved films. But I really wanted to sing and dance when I was really young. Um, but then I realised that my singing voice wasn't great and, <laughs> and I had two left feet. So... <laughs> And my mum was always very honest. She was always like, Michaela, you've got a nice voice, but, you know, it's it's not going to happen for you. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, I so I got into uh, acting at school in secondary school. Um, they had like a drama department and every mm. year you'd put on a play and I started auditioning. But for me, I was always a little bit scared of acting because the people that did acting were always uh, from really... Uh, what I thought very well off backgrounds and I wasn't and mm. um, so I always felt like an outsider looking in 
which is something that I kind of I suppose I did feel at the time but didn't really understand how it would resonate later on in life but I always loved it I loved being on stage absolutely adored it I just kind of I always saw it as kind of meditation I felt really present it was amazing Mm. being in front of an audience and yeah so I I ended up going and doing drama and theatre studies at uni still denying the fact that I wanted to be an actress deep down knowing but convincing myself South, I was going to be a teacher, <laughs> going, to, going to university to be a teacher, not an actress, a teacher, and then graduated and secretly looking for acting jobs, but never really believing I could do it and did a grad scheme in, in management in Nando's, a company called Nando's at the time I was working there, I was a terrible, terrible waitress, I don't know how I got promoted, but I did, <laughs> um, and then I decided on a whim, I just had this urge I, I it just never left me and I was like I need to apply to drama school and I I saw that Alra which is based in Wigan and I was living in Manchester at the time had auditions in five days so I applied I thought sod it I'm doing it my housemate at the time really encouraged me and I rocked up with my t-shirt on back to front a little bit late and sweaty <laughs> and yeah and I got in I got in with full scholarship so I was, I was really lucky everything was paid for for me so um wow. really privileged and I wouldn't have been able to go if it wasn't the case so um you know r- really grateful that that opportunity mm. came for me um and the rest is history from from then on I've been working as an actress it's really interesting is that idea of sort of almost that feeling of being that that, that sort of exclusive feeling that sort of people have around the arts and the sort of um that sort of almost that sort of invisible wall that some people feel that's there when it comes to sort of like oh maybe I don't know whether or not I, I don't know whether it's a class thing or a working class thing or a middle class that people feel that they just don't belong and like it's interesting that we had quite the opposite in Wales um everybody is a singer everybody's in a band everybody is treading you know is treading the boards and like sort of um community theater and amateur theater is just massive it's huge it's it, and I sort of like almost bred into people um <laughs> yeah and I can see it and it's quite interesting because I suppose being in this kind of you know being in uh sort of a working class a very very you know former mining town kind of places there is that strong sort of connection and I suppose this might be a Welsh thing as well I don't know a strong connection to culture and those kind of things um but it's interesting but yet you know saying you were going there to sort of then be a teacher I ended up being a failed actor who went to who just had no other option to be in a teacher so it's like it's it's an interesting it's a really interesting journey that people go on and sort of and like everybody deep down sort of still harbors their ambitions about those kind of things. And it's fabulous that actually that, that you were able to do that, that you were able to sort of, you know, carve out your career and, and, and continue to work because it's, you know, people, they don't, they see the glitz and the glam and they see the lights, but they don't see the effort and the, the blood, sweat and tears that goes in behind it. And like you said, working in Nando's, um, you know, um, and uh, and the toil that goes behind us. That's bad. That is, that is. What was your first? So, well, before I go off away, what was your first job? What was your first acting job then? So my first acting job out of well, to be honest, do you mean uh, my first paid job? Yeah, go on. Your first paid. So job. My first paid job was a music video 
straight out of drama school I got in a music video I can't even remember the band's name now they were like an electronic band um and that was my first job and straight away after that um a director I'd worked with in drama school was directing a show called Lost Boy Eraser and it was following the Tour de France when it came to Yorkshire oh wow um and it was a main house theatre play and I got cast in that so that was my first I suppose big thing when I was like wow this is pretty cool and it it did come quite soon after graduation I was very very lucky uh to have been invited into audition um but yeah that was that was a lot of fun so yeah I went to like Harrogate the Lowry Wakefield and it's a little tour and it was about a guy who uh, cycled the Tour de France in his garage (laughs) he'd always wanted to do it and he just did it in his garage um and I played Nina uh she she worked at the Fish and Chippy uh, nice Yorkshire but yeah but it is interesting what you're saying about how like because I think there is a lot of elitism attached to the arts Mm. and I think it comes from you know when I was younger you know watching people who had money get singing lessons and get dance lessons and and Mm. go to theatre school and just me never I was never able to to do those things so automatically I kind of outcasted myself from that um Mm. You know, and, and I suppose it's, and it is expensive. It's very expensive to go to drama school, especially if you don't get funded. And then when you, you're an actor as well, if you don't have subsidence and you don't have parents backing and supporting you, it's really difficult from uh, for 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 children and for for young adults from working class backgrounds to to fund their career. Essentially, you know, yeah, they they have to be fully available at the drop of a hat to film. They have to have flexible jobs. That means usually they're working minimum hour, minimum hour wage jobs, you yeah. know, and they've got all the bills to pay. So it's really difficult for for people from those backgrounds to give it a hundred percent because they, you know, they're trying to juggle the finances as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, hopefully that's changing. It seems to be changing. Like the the arts seems to be opening up a little bit more. But in some ways, with the economy, the way it's going, it's actually closing it up as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, and I mean, I, I you know, my my family was always like, you need a real job. Mm. You need you need a set, you know, so, you know, my 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 degree is in business. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's useful, though. It it, useful. It, yeah, <laughs> it has been, actually. It has been. It, it has been particularly useful. But. Um, it's not, you know, it's that thing of like, not really, you know, you just think, okay, I'm just going to get it done. I'm going to get it done. But I was really lucky that, you know, I had, my, you know, my, my uncle paid for my singing lessons and I had really, really, really good, great singing teachers. And, and that sort of, it, that, having that was, it was a wonderful experience. Didn't make me any, any you know, <laughs> but, you know, but having that kind of support and that backing is, is, is absolutely vital. Yeah. It is absolutely vital. But but you, with that, the backing of your parents is also very vital. Like I was very lucky. We didn't have much money, but my mum was always like, you should go and act. And I'd be like, how? And she'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like always, you know, she, she saw how skilled, well, you know, her, her perspective is that I'm very skilled, bless her, but she is my mum. So she saw something in me and really wanted me to do it, but she just didn't yeah. know. She didn't know how. She was just like, yes, you should do it. And whenever I thought about leaving the industry, she'd always be like, why? No, Michaela, no, no, don't do that's it. Wonderful. No, so that's wonderful. It's great fantastic. that, you know, that you've got a parent's back. And I think it's so important. Um, and it was so important for me as well in, in terms of my self-belief that I had a, a mum who, who's always backed me and backed my career. 
Yeah, that's incredible. Now you talked about theatre. What do you mm. prefer, theatre oh, or, or film? <laughs> Yeah, I love film because I love films. I just love films. Yeah. Um, I love screen acting. I love the intimacy of it. I love, mm. I love how real it is and how organic and truthful it is. Um, yeah, that's that's my passion wholeheartedly. I I really enjoy theatre for its liveness. I love yeah. that feeling of being in front of of an audience and anything can happen. But I just find the the acting is just for me. It's just it's really sincere and really intimate in in film and you know you can try there's there's a bit more flexibility because you can do different takes and try different things and Mm. yeah it's it's you're always working with people and it's really collaborative and yes tiring and the hours are long but yeah and at the end you've got something that you can see like it's you know you can touch it it's it's tangible isn't it there's a tangible quality yeah. yeah, I mean, th- there is something about a live audience, um, and then I, I, that sort of like that, that sort of almost like tightrope walking yeah. of, you know, there's there's several, and I've had like I've dropped some major clangers on a stage, major clangers, <laughs> um, and that that's sort of you know there is a bit of a buzz about that, but there is this, like you said, there's an intimacy to film, there yeah. is that, and it's and it, <clears throat> do you find there's a you're using a totally different skill set? Um, yeah it's similar in some ways but in my experience the majority of theatre that I've done uh, once you've worked with the director to get it to a specific place uh, there isn't much room to change or deviate from that they you know because the director leaves and then you know you're responsible for making sure that it stays the same because that's their work yeah Um, whereas when you're on a film set uh, there's a little bit more room for spontaneity uh, and improvisation and you know you can try different things on different takes no take is necessarily the same well like in my, for me it's not I would say my takes you know they it depends on what I'm being fed and mm. and, and what's happening for me in that moment um so and, and and everything you know is smaller so more of the acting is coming through in terms of the body and the voice when you're mm. in theater because you've got to you've got huge you've got space to film exactly whereas you know if you if you try and use your voice and your body in that way on film you're it's, it's gonna look a bit silly <laughs> there are some people who have found found that they they, they try not to sort of di- differentiate between the two and um yeah it has interesting results Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, some people might argue vice versa. It's each to their own practice. For me, it's all about finding what works for you. Um, yeah. And once you've found what works for you, that's that's brilliant. Like, you know, you're, you're on your way. It, I've always looked at it from the point of view of internal and external. Yeah. Is that theatre is more about the external. Um, mm. Because you know that person in up in the gods or up in the ashtray, need to see, they need to see you. They need to see what you're doing. They need to sort of feel that, and you, in order to convey that, everything needs to be bigger. Um, whereas film, it, it's about the sort of that that, that micro, that yeah. micro movement. That sort of don't need to use your recitation voice. You don't need to push it out there, darling. Don't. Whereas no, it's actually yeah. making it. it it's it's about it, well, it's making that intimate movement, isn't it? Do you prefer a lot of takes or short takes or fewest takes possible? If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't have 
a lot of experience with a lot of takes because most of my work has been either on low budget films, feature mm. films or soaps. So you, you don't get a lot of takes. You know, you're lucky if you get two. So yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, have yeah. I don't have any experience really apart from maybe a few short films where, you know, maybe I've had three or four takes max yeah. uh, where that's been even a thing for me. So um, I, I would say I prefer short takes because that's what I'm used to, like a shorter amount of takes. But I it would be nice because sometimes you, you know, you by the time you've done your second tape, you, you, mm. you know, you're you're kind of there. You're like, I'm ready. And then, you know, but at the same time, because I haven't experienced that on my first take, I make sure I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess it would be nice to explore having more takes for a certain a certain project but at the same time I don't know maybe it would dry it out I don't know I'm not sure I don't know what the answer would be to that um mm. I love playing so I imagine that if I got a, a project and it was like yeah we're going to do like 20 takes I'd be like yeah cool let's let's go with this let's run with this but um so far I've, I've not I've yet to have that experience apart from on one project when a guy came and he didn't know any of his lines and he got about 20 takes <laughs> for all of yes. his. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I mentioned this when I, I spoke with Eve about um, having directed somebody um, and we ended up doing 22 takes. Wow. It's a lot of time that though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have that moment of just, really? Yeah. I mean preparation is key isn't it in this industry oh time is God, money yeah. and you, you don't you just won't get work again <laughs> somebody um asked me about what it's like when you know when you when there is a little bit of a budget even though we're talking micro budgets here and they describe you know and the best way I could describe it is setting fire to 20 pound notes yeah you sit there and just set 20 set in fire to a 20 pound <laughs> note every time you're waiting for something to be lit or you're waiting <laughs> to work out so you know it's just like there we go that's another <laughs> one gone Take your time. <laughs> now, you Absolutely. talked about uh, TV. Now, when you look, you, you've got, I mean, you've got obviously the crown jewel of, you know, British soap. You've got Coronation Street <laughs> on there. What was that like? Yeah, it was fun. I got to be in the Rovers. It was great. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're all so lovely as well, like, on all the soaps, to be honest. But Corrie was um, especially just sat in the green room and everyone was just so welcoming it there is a real sense of community on that show there really is yeah I mean it's fine I mean you've got Corey on there you've got Hollyoaks on there yeah yeah um and Doctors yeah that was my first TV gig wow so how do they differ between those between working between those kind of shows you said about Corey obviously if you're having a more of a family feel but obviously how do the yeah, others I mean, compare they were all um I suppose Doctors, I was in a trailer for a lot of it because we were on location. Yeah. Yeah, we were filming in the house. So there was no green room or kind of that experience, but I imagine it would be very, very similar. And Hollyoaks, I was straight, I was called straight away and I was on set for a few hours and then that was my three scenes done. I think it's great. Um, so it was very, very quick. Or did I too? I can't remember. Um, so I was in and out the door with, with that one. Um, but they are, they're very, it's quick, it's fast paced. You need to make mm. sure that you're, you're on form, you're on book, you know what you're doing. 
you take the direction well and you know you, you leave with a with a good impression but everyone is lovely you know they're, they're doing this every day they're very quick they're just on it yeah yeah and I suppose one of the things that is fascinating to watch is a crew that is obviously working together every single day in the slickness and the speed yeah that comes with that yeah um you know and it 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 it, it, it is it, it's incredible and it's like you know I'm really really lucky one of my my one of my best friends is Gareth Evans um you know from the raid movies and apostle and the, and like watching him work and watching those bigger sets and you just you know when you do the gangs of london stuff and you just think my god how are you you know uh, this is so there are so many moving parts it is yeah. just it is it, it is phenomenal and and sort of people say about oh soap tea you know soaps and they roll their eyes. It, it is an incredible machine it is an incredible machine yeah, absolutely. And the actors on there, like fair, fair play to them because they're getting their scripts quite last minute and they have to learn a lot um, and yeah. they don't have much time. They don't have many takes. So it's it's a lot of it's very high pressure, quick speed, you know, mm. so um, like fair play to them. Yeah, I mean, I line learning was never my strongest point <laughs> ever. I mean, it's like anything, though, you get you get skilled at it. So the more you do it, so if I've got a few projects coming up and I'm learning lines, quickly yeah like I'm, I'm learning a lot of lines if i have an audition that comes up around the same time the lines are going in like that just because yeah. just, my brain is just so in in tune with it but it's it's like any skill you can develop it it's like why it's part of the reason why i like doing voice work yeah is i don't have to learn a line i can <laughs> I, I get my script and you know I would, for a, a long long time i was doing the voiceover for like estate agents and things and doing the video and do, this beautiful three-bedroom home in downtown Basra can be yours for me. <laughs> Those kind of things. But there's no, there's no real learning to it. And, you know, so I take my hat off. It is just an incredible skill. And absolutely. And, like, I got friends who are in rep, repertory theatre, and yes. they just bang them out. Bang. It is just impressive. So one of the things that obviously comes back is notes. Do you like a lot of notes from directors? Or do you just like to be left to sort of just go and then you know what's your take on getting notes from from directors I, you know what I actually really like notes I just don't seem to get an awful lot of them um I quite like being directed but the the directors I've worked with have always kind of left me to it um mm. you know they've obviously had a conversation with me about how they what their vision is and I've had a conversation about mine but normally the 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 directors i've been very fortunate they 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 encourage creativity mm. um and i think unless you're veering away from what their idea is um that's probably when they they might voice something but yeah i do i do enjoy a good note though i enjoy being uh, directed in a different way um just to just to play around with it and just to see what what comes but i also really enjoy having that creativity and allowing um being able to put my own spin on a character and for the director to trust that you know i've done the work and i've done the research and i've kind of got like this um whole rounded idea of what this character looks like to me mm. uh, that's been worked through with the director and with the writer if possible um because obviously you have those conversations before um so i suppose a bit of a mixture of the two yeah. i mean and i mean particularly sort of when you're looking at micro budgets and lower down the you know usually writer and director are, you know are the same person yeah um which is always useful which is really really which is always useful and to sort of see those those do you um 
how much time do you put into like preparing characters and you know do you have a particular process that you go through before each role do you do you like to do research do you you know do do you have a particular set way of of doing things yeah I mean as I've got uh, older <laughs> I've been in this industry for about 12 years now so it's, it's become all, almost um unconscious <laughs> uh, some of the things that I do but it, it, it depends on the role so if the role is something that I would call more of a surface layer role then I would definitely do like a breakdown of the script and understand you know what the character's objective is mm. make sure I know where they are at the start the scene where they are at the end what their journey is what emotions are running through them at the minute their motivations uh, make sure I understand what they're hearing sensory wise so I know what I'm reacting to mm. if the character is something that is like multi-dimensional because um, sometimes you have like filler characters that are kind yeah. of there as you, you know what I mean and yeah. then you've got your more like juicier roles um so for example I just I just did the ghost with him I say just it's it's going to be released next month which is exciting and uh I played the lead character Margot mm. and she had deep psychological issues so you know I I did look up deep rooted trauma and started obviously I'm a coach as well a life coach so I, I know a lot about this kind of stuff mm. but um she'd like blocked out a lot of a lot of her past I'm, I'm not going to say too much because I'll spoil the film but you know so I, I did a lot of research into that just so I could explore what that would be like because that's essential for me to know and um, on the other side if my character doesn't know about something in the film and it's a prevalent topic I don't research it because my character doesn't know so sometimes I obviously I'll read a script quite a few times but I may not read certain scenes over and over again because mm. my character wouldn't know about those scenes if that makes sense absolutely but I not. don't I don't want to know too much about those scenes as the actor because it will it might change the way that I interpret my character. Well, absolutely. If you if you know that's you know on a subconscious level that somebody is plotting to kill your character <laughs> and you're not meant to know, and they walk in the room and you're suddenly going, hmm. <laughs> obviously not with that such a raised eyebrow. But there is that sort of there is that moment, isn't there? That actually it is about the unknown sometimes yeah. between characters, and that 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 that's uh, particularly in film. I think that that unknown element, particularly in genre pieces. Yeah. Um, do you have a particular genre that you enjoy working in? Um, I work a lot in horror. Mm. Um, and I, I'm working a lot in thriller, I would say, more so now. The Ghost Within, I would say, is more of a thriller. And I'm doing a film, at, I'm about to start shooting a film called Baron, which is a thriller. Um, slash horror, the, the slash horrors. Mm. But I, I do enjoy drama and comedy. And and horror and thriller. I, I do enjoy the horror and thriller genre, but I've done a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's great for any actor because it's you really have to use your imagination mm. in in that genre more than any other genre. Like, you know, sometimes you are not seeing the, the monster that's in there yeah. and about to attack you. So you've got to really encapsulate that and really commit. So commitment, imagination, really empathizing with that character, um, lots of different um, aspects of, 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 of what you need to develop to become a, a really strong actor um, can be practiced within the genre of, of horror. But I really do love, I love drama. I'm getting more into drama at the moment mm. and uh, I, I absolutely adore comedy. Comedy is just so much fun. It, it doesn't... Um, 
I feel like comedy doesn't <laughs> I don't grow too much in terms of my skills as an actor as much I do grow I grow on every project but but it's just so much fun like you're on set and it's just you're just laughing the whole time which is great comedy's hard comedy and I think I think people underestimate comedy and horror because they are very very hard really and, hard, and yeah. there is a fine line between the two yeah yeah they can quite easily spill over yeah. <laughs> into one another in, in, intentionally or unintentionally um but yeah you know it's sort of um it's it, it's really interesting to hear you talk about sort of you know particularly obviously you know the as we say right at the start of the show the undead wookie is uh, your you know your one stop for you know horror and sci-fi but it's it's interesting that obviously you talk you know people they underestimate the acting that actually goes into what happens you know most yeah. people should just see particular and i think i think horror is getting better at female roles mm-hmm. whereas it you know generally was rent a victim um and a lot of running a lot of screaming and just falling down unintentionally um i think that's you know but it, i think it's getting better and it's interesting that you you know, you, you talk about growing within those role with each role and sort of those kind of things so do you have a particular favorite role that you've played so far Hmm. Let me have a think. I think the fa- the favorite role that I have played is Margot actually in the Ghost mm. film, just because that film I felt like I grew a lot as an actor. Yeah, she's quite emotional throughout, and to hold that kind of emotional intensity for as long as I needed to. Um was something I hadn't had to do before Mm. so I really felt like I developed and grew as an an actress and and because we were working with children and we were working with the ghost a lot of their stuff was prioritized because you're on time limits like the the ghost her makeup took so long and she was only allowed Mm. on set the the Rebecca who who played the ghost um she was only allowed on set for so long because you've got to imagine this this mask is like suffocating her face (laughs) it's really uncomfortable she did so well bless her and so I was having to get a lot of my takes done very very quick so that that was teaching me a lot and sometimes Mm. without those people there so I I think I I think I was really pushed um in that role and I really loved the character and the character journey and for me that, that was the first time that I think I'd done a feature which had a bit of a drama story, a drama edge to it. Mm. Um, whereas all the other horrors weren't as character led. This was a very character led horror slash thriller. So yeah. I, I really felt like I could go on that journey with her. Yeah. So I would say that she's my favorite. So in terms of, do you have a particular routine that you do before you before each day of filming? Or is yeah. it a case that just, you, you've got a very set routine? I, 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 I figured you may have. <laughs> well, I... I, I I've, I've written a um, I'm writing a book at the minute on how to break down a script and 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 how to kind of um you know prepare for a role and I think it's just so fundamental like so I don't have a specific thing that I do but if I can work out I'll work out just to clear my head especially mm. if it's like um, a psychologically draining role I think it's really important that you give yourself that release I'll go for a walk as well if I can yeah. um and then in terms of my preparation is I'm making sure that I understand where my character has been before that particular scene what emotional state they've been in I I really hone in on that because I I think it's really 
sometimes when you're thrown into you know you're ready for you now Michaela you jump on set and you can lose all that and you can forget where you've come from yeah um so I think that's really important and then it's just really about for me it's all about imagining what that character is going through at that time and just putting myself in their shoes and wholeheartedly immersing myself if it's an emotional scene I have a specific thing that I do to get myself to that emotional state Mm. um so that I can get myself upset if I need to yeah um if it's something a little bit more upbeat then I don't need to worry too much about any of that I can kind of arrive on set and just just be me and it's not it's not yeah there's not as much I suppose in terms of preparation for the emotional roller coaster that you're about to go on. yeah yeah I've always found like you know exercise and working out before particularly you know is is huge is a you know is a really 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 useful tool yeah. um and for like you know psychological well-being um you know being injured over the past couple of years and not being able to have that kind of release as well as has been quite difficult at times because you do find yourself a little you know with with energy to burn yeah um, and if you are undertaking a role that is it's gonna you're gonna be on an emotional roller coaster there's going to be, you know, those, those difficult scenes to, you know, to go through and or harrowing scenes in particular. You, the, you, that outlet is really important, is really, really important. So when you were, you know, do you do you run? Do you, are you a cardio person? Are you a weights person? Are you are you all all of those things? Which one? What's your go to? Well, I used to run a lot, especially when I was on set, um, just because you're not near a gym. Um, but I ran on a pine cone, and um, oh. from that. I- I've now got an additional bone in my left foot. <laughs> nice. I always had the additional bone. Um, it's called accessory navacular or something weird. Mm. Uh, but it's become a little bit dislodged, so I can't run anymore. But I have always been into my weights. So yeah. I do a lot of weight training. But when I'm on location now, I will do like a little hit yeah. in, in my yeah. bedroom or something just, um, just to get that cardio burn, um, if I can. And yeah. if, if there's a gym close by um i'll go to the gym and i'll do a weight training session yeah absolutely excellent i mean i think people do underestimate the the need particularly for actors to keep their to keep in touch to keep the, to keep themselves in a relatively good physical condition yeah. because it is particularly film is demanding um yeah it's you know. demanding and it's it's the mental it's the mental stress as well and the mind and the body are intrinsically interlinked you know the neurons that fire together wire together and yeah if, if you're ever feeling a little bit low as an actor if, if, if things aren't if you've been receiving a lot of rejections a lot of no's then mm. your breathing the way you hold your body it's it's all in that energy and working out and doing yoga and doing breath work is a great way of of changing your physiology so it doesn't stay in in that state um, yeah. of, of of feeling quite low, and you, you know you can raise your your state and, and raise your motivation. So I think it's got two elements to it. You know, one so you can detach from your character and come out of it, and then two just for mindfulness and and keeping your body really strong as well. So like what you said, you've got that stamina on set because the the working hours are, are very very long, and there's a lot of waiting around. And sometimes, especially in horror you know, crazy things are happening. You're getting ropes tied around your leg and you're getting dragged <laughs> by them with leaf blowers in your face, you know? Yeah, so. I, mem- I, I remember we did um, Gareth's first feature film, which was Footsteps. And there was a ch- there was a scene, it was a chase scene. 
and it, this was proper guerrilla filmmaking. We showed up, you know, earlier. Must have been just after midnight uh, in Cardiff, and we would you know, chase the, you know, we'd, we we would play multiple thug, you know, we had different role, you know, multi-rolling. But the one scene where we were chasing, we were chasing the lead character down Canton, down the high street in Canton, and we were sprinting flat out. And we get to the one end and be like, cut, okay, go again. <laughs> and by the, you know, there was moments where we would kind of get into like the fourth or fifth take. It was like, mm, give me a minute, give me a minute. <laughs> you know, um, it's quite interesting. The one take they made is somebody slid over the bonnet of one of the local drug dealers' cars. And that was, um, that was a hairy moment. Oh <laughs> yeah. I managed to find a little bit of extra pace, mind you, when he did that. I sort of, uh, you know, I, I think I broke land speed records after that moment, but <laughs> the Kel, you know, shoddy cut, and I was continuing to go. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, people do forget the physical side of it. It is exhausting and mentally, physically exhausting. Um, do you go, do you have any um, particular techniques that you can rely on in terms of your training? Do you go back to them? Are you a method person? Are, you know, what, where do you, where do you stand with all that? Um, I'm naturally quite empathetic, so I think that helps. So when I, I'll hear a story about something and it'll make me cry because I can just put myself into people's shoes very, very easily. Mm. Um, I think because I'm very interested in the brain and how humans work and psychology, I think that helps massively mm. so I can understand people's motivations. I use a lot of action. I action my scripts as well to help um imagination really kind of just going into the heart of what that character's needs and wants are and what's getting in the mm. way you know their objectives as well um but for me I I tend to work inside out so you know I know you you spoke before about like outside in and you know if you're on stage a lot crying every night is just not feasible you know so you, yeah. you know you do tend to work outside in um whereas you know on camera you can do a lot more inside out work but you do have to be careful so things like emotional memory and and, and mm. substitution can play havoc I'm not someone who is method like I don't I guess I understand how if you if you the, you know the way that the brain works if you repeat something and over and over and over again I know that it can attach mm. so I am very cautious with things like method acting um I could do something for a day and that would be fine and I, I write diary entries and I really try and you know get into yeah. the character but I, I am aware that at the same time it's really important that you detach from that character at the end of the day I try and have a bit of time because even when I was playing Margot we'd be filming Monday to Friday and I would get to Saturday and I'd feel really depressed and it would mm. I, I wouldn't shift really until Sunday morning yeah, uh, and I'm naturally quite an upbeat person, and I would say I emotionally regulate really well, and you know, I, I know a lot about, and and that's 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 me who who is struggling to kind of remove themselves out of it. So I think you do have to be cautious as an actor of what method you use and what you're bringing up, especially if you're bringing up past trauma a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, you have to be very very careful and and just understand what's working for you and not having any repercussions and what's working for you and having the repercussions because it's not worth it like it's, at the end of the day acting is just a job and that's the way we should see it you know it's a job we want to be good we want to do our best but it shouldn't as 
as no job should be, it shouldn't be at the detriment of your mental health. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I suppose then, you know, you being a life, uh, a life coach, Mm. Um, it's a really, really useful tool to be able to sort of ha- tap into. How did how did how did you become a life coach? Um, come about where you know, and sort of has it informed your work? Has it sort of um, how has it impacted upon your work? Oh, massively, absolutely massively. Um, I became a lot, well, I I got into mindset hugely after a, a, a really um bad relationship, basically came out of a, a, a relatively um, bad, bad relationship. And after that, I realized that I had allowed certain things to happen that I shouldn't have. And I wanted to know why, why that happened um, and to understand myself. Um, so I read every single book going, like, I mean, I immersed myself because I needed to get out of, um, I was really, I, I had a situational anxiety PTSD Mm. insomnia and I needed to get out of it I needed to shake it because I wasn't like that before this experience Mm. so I needed to get back to who I was so I immersed myself I mean like when I I, I've got a bit of an addictive personality anyway so (laughs) I went to town on understanding the brain psychology perspective shifts and and I was able with that to also uncover some of the things that we were talking about earlier about how I would feel like an outcast in acting Mm. and that was still with me even though I did quite well out of drama school straight away and landed a really good agent and stuff I still felt like an outsider looking in and then I started learning about some beliefs that I had um unconscious beliefs that I had about who I was and what I was capable of because of my working class background and how they were getting in the way. So that these are essentially called limiting beliefs. Um, and as soon as I started unearthing this stuff, well, then you can kind of counterattack them. Mm. And you can reframe the way that you look at the world, make sure that your self-image aligns with who you want to be, not who you were. And things start rolling and things start changing. You don't feel like an imposter in the room anymore. So I, didn't, I don't really get, well, I never get imposter syndrome anymore. My nerves which I really, really struggled with at the start of my career, now have dis- like disappeared. I walk into mm. an audition and I'm, I'm, I'm really just present. So mm. certain things changed for me on a huge, huge level because I'd done all of this work, which I hadn't planned. My plan was to get rid of the anxiety, yeah. the PTSD and the insomnia. And it just opened up all of these other areas that I didn't know holding me back mm. um and then once I knew about it I could I could deal with them I could I could um I suppose reframe my mindset so that it worked for me and not against me and with that once I'd overcome everything and I'm not saying that it's like I, I don't occasionally still suffer with insomnia of course occasionally sometimes mm. it does arise but now I have the tools to get me back to where I need to be yeah um and I got really passionate about it because I seen that I saw that it worked for me so I saw I was like hey wait a minute I did all of this stuff and the therapy didn't work but this stuff worked like Mm. and I got really bloody passionate about it so passionate about it and I started intertwining it into my acting lessons because I teach acting as well and acting coaching lessons and then one student said to me so I do one-to-ones he said Michaela I don't want to do the acting technique stuff can we do the coaching stuff and I was like, what? And he was like, can we have a coaching lesson? And I was like, 
oh but I don't I don't do full coaching lessons he went I know but I just want you to <laughs> that's that's really really interesting actually that 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 um and you, and you can hear in your voice your passion comes across and so did you then sort of did that lead you on to sort of you know formal training and yeah. those kind of yeah so after that I did um a coaching a, a, an accredited coaching course mm. um and then I did a neuro-linguistic programming course as well mm. um and that kind of started it that was that was that but the whole if you if you think about how long so I, I started doing this work at about the age of 29 and I'm 34 now so about five years um I've been I've been plugging at, at this um but yeah I I, I absolutely buzz off it I, it I feel like I'm giving back with acting I love acting and you do mm. give back don't get me wrong you do give back but you don't get to see it you don't get to see what you're giving to viewers because they watch it in their own home yeah yeah unless yeah. you're in the cinema with them you don't get to see it with the coaching you watch people transform and elevate their lives and that is so rewarding so rewarding. I, yeah and, and I mean we get you get it in teaching where you were able to you teach somebody who has you know a particular skill or you know it's particularly you know in subjects where you see somebody who has no knowledge who goes from zero knowledge to then suddenly seeing that that that, that knowledge and that skill emerging and then they start developing it and they start mastering it and it and that is that is something that is something that sort of um that is one of the perks i suppose of being a teacher yeah. is seeing that is seeing students grow and develop and you know it's it's a it's it, it that is the most rewarding part i suppose that is the most rewarding part of it there are you know there are other great things with it but you do get to see somebody go from really really struggling in, in a particular area to then developing and growing and then just take it you know taking things on and that is you know that that is a that's a wonderful process yeah. That is a wonderful process. Something changes inside of them, doesn't it? They start to yes. push themselves. Yes. And, and then they gain their wings and they're able to fly that. Yeah, so I can totally understand how that would be really rewarding. Absolutely. Now, looking at, you know, obviously, you know, you've got you've got the ghost within um, coming up. Have you got any other other projects that you're quite sort of, you know, that you, you're really looking forward to or? Uh, how to Kill Monsters. Uh, so that's the Yes. Not a sequel, it isn't a sequel, but it's the, the next film from uh, the guys that did, Dark Grove Films, that did Book of Monsters. So I played Chelsea in How to Kill Monsters, uh, and that was a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> Again, such fun. And the team behind that are just beautiful. Like Stuart Spark, the director, is wonderful to work with, and so is his wife, Lindsay, who, who plays yeah. the lead in this one as well. Uh, so that's coming out. Hopefully, um, we'll get to see that this summer. Hopefully, it will get into Fright Fest, we're hoping, maybe. I don't know. Um, that'd be nice. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, and, and then I'm filming Baron um, at the end of this month, yeah. which is exciting. And what else have I got coming out? I've got, oh, I've got a short film that I did at the tail end of last year called Uncle Jack. Um, that's quite a dark, uh, dark film, um, a drama-based film, but it's 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 absolutely brilliant. It's, it's such a great, great story and concept, um, which hopefully maybe they'll make into a fe feature. Who knows? 
Mm. Um, and then I worked with Dark Temple. I just finished working with Dark Temple. Uh, so with Charlie. Charlie yeah, Steve. with Charlie. Steve. Uh, it, Charlie is just, 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 just amazing. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. One, he's isn't absolutely he? wonderful. And uh, fingers crossed, we're going to be able to get him on soon, back on again soon. Um, because uh, he freezes out recently, and I know he's yes, got a couple of. He's passionate, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he's and he's just the he's just the nicest guy. He's so lovely to work with. So we did Lord of Wills, but yeah, he was um he was just a dream. He's just so relaxed. I've never worked. I thought Sparky was the most relaxed director I've ever worked with. And then I worked yeah. with Charlie and I was like, wow, this is new levels. Like he's just oh he's he's an absolute dream, yeah. Yeah, and and what I love and, and obviously he's been on the show, we've talked about different things. It he is in his love of the genre just screams out to him and you know i think he really is a filmmaker of the future i think he they, they, he's going to be producing some very you know, some great work um you know i kind of not to make comparisons i think that's unfair i think you know there's a touch of stewart gordon about him in some of his work i think there is that sort of that that, yeah. that kind of stuff and like you can see his love of the genre and i mean oh, even don't yeah. like Death Ranch is a great exploitation film. <laughs> just wonderful. Just, you know, and it's great to be able to use the word, oh, wonderful exploitation film. It's just in a sentence anyway. <laughs> I but, was in his um, his flat about a week and a half ago because we were just doing one last pickup and he showed me his DVDs. Oh, my God. The collection of DVDs. <laughs> I've never experienced anything like it. There was just wardrobes filled with DVDs and, and drawers and cabinets. They, they were everywhere. <laughs> it's just like, this is mad. Like, this is a lot of films. <laughs> I have a, old school as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have an attic. Oh, wow. Full. Um, my absolute obsession is DVDs, Blu-rays and paperback books. <laughs> it, Yeah. Yeah, paperback, but honestly, it's a problem. Um, you know, I can't go past a charity shop where it's like, oh, my God, look at this. And, like, finding those gems, yeah. those hidden gems. You talk about addictive personalities. That is, uh, it is <laughs> very, you know, can we start there on a paperback? Um, <laughs> now, what has been the best piece of acting advice you've ever had? Um... I once read in a book uh, this phrase that has always stayed with me and it was feel the fear and do it anyway. Nice. Yes. And now I've heard that. That's a great, that is a great, um, that is a great one. Yeah. That is a great one. Uh, mine was learn your fucking lines. Yeah. And I had, that, I had that, I had that screamed at me across an auditorium. So <laughs> you literally, I mean, it is useful to be fair. To, it's great, great yeah. feedback. Another one, actually, in drama school, um, a, a teacher just said, you just got to fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> that was that. And I was like, you're so right. I just need to like, fuck it, whatever. Like, just stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Release, yeah. let go, um, blow caution to wind kind of thing. And I think, you know, that that has stayed with me as well because um, I remember in drama school, a lot of the, the tutors would say, you know, you need to release, you need to relax. And I was like, well, what the hell are they talking? I didn't really get it. I was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. And now, as a 
teacher myself I'm like you need to release you need to (laughs) and I get it now I'm like yeah they just meant be fluid be free just go in and just be but but what they didn't realize is that there's a psychological element attached to doing those things it isn't just about doing it with your body you've got to do it with your mind and I don't think a lot of drama schools actually um delve into that so much like the psychology behind being confident and whatnot yeah, it is that it it is very much sometimes that people sort of well just get confident, stupid. Yeah, it is that kind of. I mean, the, what is confidence? <laughs> that is a really that is a that is a very very good question. And I mean, the psychology of trying to get to that place where you were comfortable enough to sort of put make keep yourself open. Yeah. To be open to things is such. You have a to be di- able to trust yourself. That's Absolutely. First and foremost, you've got to be able to trust yourself. And if you do not trust yourself, then you will not, not be open, and you're going to be thinking of your lines, and you're going to be obsessing. You're not just going to be able to live, breathe, and be present. Yeah, that's a real that, that live, breathe, and be present. That's a great that that you might need to get that printed somewhere. <laughs> that that is a great one. That is that a fabulous. <laughs> so. Uh, at the moment can you recommend three books that you currently would you recommend to anybody well I'm a massive audio book person yeah I'm actually gonna open it now so I love uh Tony Robbins release the power absolutely love uh that book I think it's brilliant uh so all my books are going to be kind of more mindset books um uh the chimp paradox great yeah, uh, yes, th- that's a great one. You're in a chimp. Oh, 100%. Um, and what else? Oh, I've just read, actually, a book called Why We Eat Too Much. Um, <laughs> Saying to the man <laughs> who just demolished a uh, cookie dough sundae. To be fair, it's all in moderation, isn't it? As long as you're not having a cookie dough sundae, sundae every day. <laughs> um but it's great the the book is it's more about um like omega-6 omega-3 imbalances and things Mm. and I'm I'm very much into the the food that I put into my body and how it affects my mind and how it affects my motivation and serotonin levels you know 80% of um our happiness hormone is 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 70 to 80 I think is, is created in the gut so you know we have to be very careful and mindful about what we what we eat and what we consume so yeah. those are the three books at the minute but they do change um there's in terms of a a, a book for actors there's a acting for screen by tony barr that's a great book mm. um that's got some really useful acting techniques in there but most of my books are all mindset so okay so three movies that three i love movies that, that you love that you just go that you continually go back to shawshank redemption Oh, wonderful. Have you read the book? No, I haven't. I'm not really a novel reader. This is my thing. I'm not really a novel reader. Um, I love Moulin Rouge. Love Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Um, and Gone Girl. Right. Okay. I really like Gone Girl. Um, but I think it's just because I like her acting in it. I think she's great. I just think the story's great. I just think it's very love. I do enjoy a good thriller, but I wouldn't say that's probably one of my favourite ones that I would go back to. I wouldn't continuously go back to watch that. Mm. Um, if ones that I continuously go back to would probably be things like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time in the history of this show <laughs> that anybody has ever mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> 
such a good film. <laughs> I mean, Robin Williams is, you know, he, you know, I would really, I was, I was so, I was devastated when I found out about his passing. I was absolutely, I mean, um, I'm a bit of a stand-up comedy nerd as well, um, and I remember just being blown away by watch, being way too young, and watching his Robin Williams do stand-up. And watching um, him live at the Met and an evening with Robbie Williams, and just seeing that that the, the speed and the, the the sort of the attack that he was able to d- deliver, you know, and the you know it's just it was relentless, absolutely relentless, yeah, and and a wonderful actor, yeah, wonderful wonderful actor, Mrs. Doubtfire. I can't, yeah, that's the first time in like over hundred odd episodes of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Help is on the way, dear. Help is on the way. <laughs> it's such a good film, though. It's such a feel-good film. Absolutely. Um, and I, I do enjoy like my my go-to films for feel-good films. Like I, I love Megamind. <laughs> it's such a good film. Um, but it just lifts you and it just makes you feel great. Um, yeah. So there's a few of them. But yeah. <laughs> proper but... mixed, aren't they? Golden <laughs> Girl to Megamind. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Moulin Rouge, mm. me and my wife, we we were talking about we 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 could quite happily end that film after the elephant scene at the <laughs> beginning. It could just just that's it, just end right there and then because it does oh, kind of like I know, but it gets my heart. My heart goes. I'm like, oh, Tatine, stop. Um, yeah. I remember the hearing, hearing you and McGregor sing for the first time. It's like, wow. Yeah. He's actually got you know not only has he got a good voice, he's actually got a very good tenor voice. Yeah. Um, quite envious of that, actually, being a baritone. We, you, you like to pretend that you're a tenor, but you're not. <laughs> you ain't getting anywhere near that. You know, you tr- <laughs> every now and again, you try and have a little go at it, and you go, at the top. It's uh... <laughs> Now, okay. So, where, are, do you, are you a podcast listener by any chance? Not really. Um, I listen to audiobooks mainly, to be honest. I have only just started listening to podcasts and there's only one podcast on my podcast listening. And it's the undead Wookiee podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) It is that one, but there is another one. I lied. (laughs) I said shamelessly plug. Shamelessly plug. Um, And it's a diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. Nice. That is a very, very good show. Really, that really is a very, that very good podcast. That, that is, that is, it's really interesting at the moment. Particularly, there are so there's there's a proliferation of so much so much knowledge out there. Oh, we can consume so much, and it's just hard to know. Like you've got Netflix, you've got BBC, you've got podcasts, you've got YouTube, you've got so much. So I tend to just dive in intermittently to the different things. Right? I mean, I've just finished Happy Valley. Um, don't know if you've been watching that. Absolutely, we've we've gone back to the we we've we purposely not watched the last because we've gone back to season one. Yeah. It's um, and of course, you know the magnificent Con O'Neill. Yeah. Um, it is and just. And Sarah Lancashire. Yeah. Sarah Lancashire is just insane. She's so talented. Yeah. I watch her and I'm like, flawless every time. I'm just. Well, like... well it's hard to get you. You think that's Raquel. <laughs> yeah. And it shows in terms of her her skill set as an actress. Yeah. It, um, because you know, her character in Happy Valley is so deep and so complex. So yeah, and so layered. Yeah. yeah. 
is so layered. And if you think, like, obviously, I can't the her the actress who plays her sister. Mm-hmm. You know, she, to go from Ben a dorm. Yeah. To that. Yeah. You know, and, and like, and I mean, in the first season, obviously, Steve Pemberton was in uh, the first season of Happy Valley as well, and the pair of them were obviously played played a married couple in Benidorm and it's just you just you sort of you see well it's real talent isn't it to see from going from one almost extreme to the other yeah yeah absolutely I mean they do say that people who are good at comedy tend to be very good at drama and like what you said earlier it's funny how those lines often get blurred right absolutely absolutely and I, I think it's really particularly when you see not so much comedians but when you see comedic actors and they're being interviewed outside of being those characters, how how straight they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Steve Martin. You know, if you think about like you, know, you look at Steve Martin and you look at his career and he's known for being that crazy guy, you know, the man with two brains, you know, L.A. story and the jerk, all these really, really out there stuff. And you even see his stand up and he's, you know, playing the banjo with a, with an arrow one of those arrow hats like so it looks like he's going through on there and they speak to him after and he's so um articulate but but so intense and so straight yeah it it is really fascinating when you sort of see the see the the crossover between the two so so before we wrap things up where can our good listeners find you and please this is your moment to shamelessly plug anything (laughs) So plug away. Um, so I'm most active on my Instagram. So that's just my name, Michaela Longdon. Um, so find me on there. I've got a Twitter handle as well on a Facebook. So do find me on all of those socials and a TikTok. Um, and yeah, I suppose things to look out for the Ghost Within is is getting released next month in the US, UK, uh, TBC. So we will see. Uh, Lord of Wolves will be this year. How to Kill Monsters will be this year. Um, Then we've got Uncle Jack will be this year. I'll be filming another film called Cara, which I'm also casting this year. And uh, another film, uh, which I'm not going to mention what it's called, just in case I can't, later on in the year. And then obviously Baron um, with Simon Dinsel. Um, as the director this month so there's, there's quite a lot coming out and it should be a good year of of things there's also run from hell I'm, I'm in a film called run from hell which will be released as well this year so quite a lot out there <laughs> that is a very very full dance card <laughs> Michaela thank you so much for joining us it has been an absolute pleasure and thank you for taking the time and being here no, so well, I appreciate and it. as you know you have a you're welcome to come back and shamelessly plug anything at any time. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Hugh. Take Have care now. Bye. Bye. And as always, I would like to say a huge thank you to Michaela for coming on. Absolute pleasure. Really, really interesting conversation. And fingers crossed we'll have you back on the show at some point. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is the return for What the Wookiee Watched. And at first, we have got the 1981 slasher. Happy birthday to me. Let's check out the trailer. Someone's having a party for the top ten. The senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. (laughs) 
Virginia. Don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. It is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear, terror, and shock. Because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party, pray you are not invited. Okay, that was the trailer for Happy Birthday to Me from 1981. This one follows uh, a, a pretty simple story. You've got the top 10, is what they refer to themselves, at the snobby Crawford Academy in uh, Virginia, when suddenly members of that particular group start to go missing. And one of them, unfortunately, has gone through a serious traumatic brain injury. Is she the killer? Who knows? Um, this is directed by uh, J. Lee Thompson, uh, famous for, of course, directing The Guns of Navarone and a ton of uh, canon movies, um, including one of my personal favourites is Firewalker with Chuck Norris. He did, a, I think he did about seven um, movies for canon with Charles Bronson. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, very, very, very efficient director. Um what would be described as, um, I suppose, a, a meta-auteur. Um, this one has Melissa Sue Anderson in the cast. Of course, she was in The Little House in the Prairie, where she played, um, I think her character was blind in uh, <laughs> in Little House in the Prairie. Um, legend Glenn Ford pops up in this as Dr. David Faraday. Um, Loris Dane as Harrod Howells. Sh- um, Sharon Aker. Uh, Francis Highland, Tracy E. Burgum. It's a good, it's a really good solid cast, and everybody really gives it a good crack of the whip. Um, this is one of the two great uh, Canuck exploitation movies uh, of the eighties. The other one, of course, was My Bloody Valentine, which was also released um, in nineteen eighty one. Happy Birthday to Me is a solid slasher, even if it does sag a little bit in the middle. Um, the kills are inventive, in particular the death by uh, motorbike. Uh, wheel that was pretty cool um it does have the feel of a particularly gory episode of colombo at the time it's got a great soundtrack too it's got a great score but which is uh, i don't think it's ever been released but it's got, it's got a good score um this one is a solid six out of ten and definitely worth checking out <laughs> Okay, up next we have got Ghosts of War from 2020. Let's check out the trailer. The outpost is 30 miles over those hills. Let's move out. Who are we babysitting this time? Not a who. A mansion. Yowza, yowza, yowza. It's bigger than my whole neighborhood in Queens. It's supposed to be a big deal when the 82nd Airborne came through and pushed out the Nazi high command. This is a life, boys. You hear that? We need to talk. We stay here from fishing a barrel. We're staying. 
What's that? I found it in the basement. It belonged to one of the Nazis who took over the house. It says what happened to the family who lived here. This ain't right, man. This place is bad, Juju. I'm just gonna say what we're all thinking. This place is haunted. Everything we experience, it's what the Nazis did to the family that lived here. Let's get out of this house. If you leave, They're here. I want everyone geared up and ready to clear out. You can't leave. It won't let us leave. This isn't real. 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 Okay, that was the trailer for Ghosts of War from 2020. This one uh, follows the story of five American soldiers assigned to hold a French chateau near the end of World War II. Uh, this unexpected respite is quickly interrupted and descends into madness as ghosts and ghouls and an unseen supernatural enemy. I'll try that again. Enemy start to terrorise the team. And it is more terrifying than anything that they have seen on the battlefield. Uh, this was directed by Eric Best, best known for directing The Butterfly Effect in 2004. And of course the screenplay for, two, uh, for Final Destination 2 and The Final Destination. This one stars uh, Brenton Thwellis, uh, Kyle Gaelner, uh, Alan Richardson. Of course, most people would now know him as Jack Reacher. Uh, Theo Rossi from... Uh, Sons of Anarchy. I can't believe I just blanked on the Sons of Anarchy. Um, he pops up in this one. Skylar Aston, legendary Billy Zane pops up in a dual role, and Sean Tubb. Um, this is part war film, part horror, and part sci-fi. Ghost of War has a strong cast. It's got a really interesting premise. Uh, the film is pretty much, though, at its best when it's focused on GIs and spooks. Sadly, the convoluted plot twist that comes about towards the end of the movie undermines the tension for this one. Um, and it feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity. Um, it's very, very cliched at time, including um, some of the dialogue. Um, some of the character choices aren't the greatest. However, it's it's worth a look. It's worth checking out. Um, always fun to see Billy Zane pop up on screen. But for me, this one is a 4.5 out of 10. Okay, up next we have got Salem's Lot, the miniseries from 2004. Let's check out the trailer. I used to think nothing happened here. The truth is, everything happens here. A dark secret. When do we meet your partner? In his own good times. Awakened by a mysterious stranger. I saw a plastic bag in the back seat. Was it little boy size? It was head size. This June. I know your name! What about the house? It scares me even to this day. An old friend is coming home. Susan! 
Life is such a precious gift. I don't know how to stop it. Based on Stephen King's best-selling novel. Let me in, Danny. What's happening to this town? Rob Lowe, Andre Brower, Rudger Hauer, and Donald Sutherland. Salem's Lot. Don't miss two nights of suspense. Beginning Sunday, June 20th at 8. I happen to like it here. Okay, that was the trailer for the 2004 TNT miniseries of Salem's Lot. Now, we're all fully aware of... Uh, the, <laughs> the 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 story based around this bad boy, um, of course, based upon Stephen King's classic novel. One of my absolute favourites um, of Stephen King. I love Salem's Lot. I probably go back and maybe reread reread it at least once a year. Um, absolutely superb book. This, of course, is a remake of the seventy um, nine. Seminal miniseries, um, also got a theatrical release, uh, directed of course by um, Tobe Hooper. This one, of course, um, stars Rob Lowe as Ben Mears, um, Samantha Mathis as Susan Norton, Ritka Hauer as Kurt Barlow, Donald Sutherland as Richard Straker, uh, Andre Brower as Matt Burke, James Cromwell pops up, that'll do, pig, um, as Father Callahan, Dan Bird as Marty uh, Mark Petrie, and Robert uh, Mamone, I think, Mamone, Mamone, as Dr. Jimmy Cody. Um, to compare this to the original miniseries uh, from 79 uh, would be unfair. The 1979 series is an absolute masterpiece. Um... That being said, this take on Stephen King's novel has some really, really interesting moments. Um, the inclusion of some additional characters uh, from the book is a nice touch. In particularly, we get Dud Rogers, the town's hunchback, popping up. Um, plus, we get to spend more time with some of the other characters from uh, Jerusalem's lot. Um, Donald Sutherland is clearly having a blast as Richard Straker, bringing a far more unhinged portrayal. Uh, to the role in comparison to James Mason's uh, slick schema. Uh, Rob Lowe gives a steady performance as Ben Mears. Um, however, the biggest disappointment with this one is legend Ritka Hauer uh, as Kurt Barlow. I, th Barlow. I think he is totally and utterly miscast. And in comparison to Reggie uh, Nadler's feral vampire, the threat is is somewhat lacking. Um, this one has got some absolutely scathing reviews uh, out there, um, which I think are some are unfair. Um, some of them do hit on some very very good points. However, overall, I think this is an interesting yet imperfect take um, on King's classic. Um, it's kind of hard to track down. I managed to find a copy on eBay. Um, but for me, this is a 6.5 out of 10. And it is definitely worth a look. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that almost wraps up our time for another episode. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, you can follow us over on Instagram at the Undead Wookie and on Facebook and on Twitter. Please pop on over. Um, 
little bit more active than normal, not massively, because I think some days I haven't got anything in particular interesting to say. Um, but please pop on over, give us a like, give us a follow. And also, if you keep your eyes out um, on the YouTube channel, I'm going to be dropping uh, my last short film that I uh, directed over last summer. Um, so I hope you guys like that and you can check that out. Um, and as always, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you guys joining me. And I'd like to say thank you to Michaela again. So, ladies and gentlemen, as our time draws to an end, all that is left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there. Whatever you